So now you make a decision. You call it nuts. You decide not to believe in it because you protect what you know. Or you're so curious and you say, I accept that I don't understand it. Let's see how much I can do in order to help my patient. I'm Michael Max, and this is Geological. Okay is not good enough. I'm not talking here about the nitpicking endless knot of perfectionism, nor about a careless disregard for what indeed requires our attention and concern. The problem with okay is that it has no teeth. It's comfortable enough to allow years to slide into oblivion because it lacks the spark and agitation to demand that life be more than our compromised dreams. Okay holds things together when disintegration and change is called for. It keeps us moving along in the comfortable groove that we misread as life rewarding us for good behavior. Okay keeps the wild wind from our door and allows us a peaceful sleep when daring dreams are our true nourishment. Okay is the enemy of vividly alive. It's good enough, and that's the problem. It keeps us in the comfort zone and creates a quiet blindness to all the compromises that dulled our spirit when sharpening our teeth and refusing to split the difference would have been a better deal for all involved. Okay too often means that cowardness has won out, that you didn't trust your wild brilliance, and that you tamed your unruly child who really does have a better bullshit detector than you do. Getting along is what comes with okay, but thriving? Eh, that has an edge of danger. I wouldn't call it violence, but you know when you're in the company of someone who is clear with their boundaries and unapologetic about their aspirations. Drafting along at the top of the bell curve can give you the illusion of safety in numbers, but it also brings with it an insulation from the edges, where the differences that make a difference are to be found. It's on the edges where the action happens, and okay is not one of the adjectives that describes the experience on the edge. I remember being exposed to the idea of the divergent channels in school, but I don't recall anyone actually using them in clinical practice. It was another one of those aspects of acupuncture that I relegated to the future when maybe I understood the medicine better. Here on the podcast, I've had discussions with Josephine Spilka and Chip Chase about the divergent channels. And if this is a topic of interest for you, you can check out episodes number two and 25. In this conversation with David Euler, yet another perspective on the divergent channels emerges. His is based on some curious findings based on palpatory feedback and his own inquiring mind as he was in the midst of figuring out how to help a patient. As you have heard me previously say on the podcast, there's a lot about medicine in books, but it only becomes alive in the present through our practices. This conversation explores that edge of emergence. These conversations come to you through the generous support of our sponsors and members. All the sponsors here provide helpful products or services that you'll find beneficial in your clinical work. Worried that an EMR is too complex for you? Jane has friendly and knowledgeable support. Mayway Herbs is celebrating the 55th year of their family business. You're invited to make use of their vast library of resources. Are you concerned about the health of Mother Earth? 
AccuFast Needles is doing something about that. You can too. And later in the show, Ancestral Sturman offers up a sinew treatment, and the folks at Blue Poppy have something special to share as well. Do be sure to visit the sponsors page on the Geological website to take advantage of all the special offers our terrific sponsors have for listeners of the podcast. I don't know about you, but sometimes I take a step back and marvel at my acupuncture needles. I mean, they're the world's simplest medical tool, a sharpened wire and a handle. That's it. And with this simple tool, hundreds of health conditions can be resolved. I love it. What I didn't love was the amount of packaging waste I generated at the end of the day. But that has now changed too. Ever since I switched to AccuFast Earth-Friendly Needles, I reduced my packaging waste by 90%. Not only are they a great needle, but the folks at AccuFast plant a tree for every two boxes of needles I use in the clinic. By switching to AccuFast Needles, you'll be helping patients, planting trees, and joining a community of practitioners changing the world. Like our simple needle, being a part of the solution, it's simple too. Visit AccuFastNeedles.com slash Geological to learn how. Hi folks, I'm Yvonne Lau, president of Mayway Herbs. Our family business turns 55 this year, and we wouldn't have gotten this far without the love and support of our community. We're truly grateful and promise you that we'll continue to work hard to support you and your practice. Please visit Mayway.com to find the perfect Pumsar brand formula or formulate your own in our dispensary. Our site also has lots of articles, videos, and herbal recipes for you to explore. And tune into our podcast, Chinese Medicine Matters, for insightful discussions on all things TCM. Learn about treatment strategies and powerful herbal remedies. As we welcome the month of May, our focus is on women's health. Our newsletter articles and podcast episodes this month will highlight different aspects and unique challenges women face. So subscribe or tune in. And if you're a practitioner, get a discount on our women's health formulas this month. Just visit Mayway.com. This season and every season, trust Mayway Herbs for your health and wellness needs. And thank you for supporting Real Chinese Medicine. I love how technology can help to automate my office. And I want to share with you my favorite tool for doing so, Jane. Jane is a clinic management software in EMR with a human touch. Whether you're switching your software or going paperless for the first time, The Jane team knows that the onboarding process can feel a little overwhelming. That's why with Jane, you don't just get software, you get a whole team. Included in every Jane subscription is their award-winning customer support available by phone, email, and chat whenever you need it, even Saturdays. You can also book a free account setup consultation to review your account and ensure you feel confident about going live. If you're interested in making the switch to Jane, head to jane.app slash switch to book a one-on-one demo with a member of their support team. And be sure to mention the code Geological at the time of sign up for a one-month grace period on your new Jane account. All right, friends, Divergent Channel's coming up. Let's get into this lively conversation with David on some ways of thinking about using this unusual aspect of the channel system. David Euler, welcome to Geological. Thank you. I 
came across you. I can't remember how I came across you. These days, I can't remember how I come across hardly anything because it was probably somewhere on the internet, which of course like immediately fades out of consciousness as soon as you somehow get an idea. So it was somewhere on the internet, no doubt. And the thing that got my attention was divergent channels. It was something about divergent channels. And I've got questions about those, which we're going to get into in a bit. But before we jump into that, you've been at acupuncture for quite a while. About 30 years, yeah. About 30 years. So like 30 years ago, it wasn't like one of those things that a college counselor would say, hey, why don't you go to acupuncture school? It's like, how did you find your way into that 30 years ago, for gosh sakes? Well, first of all, it was in Israel, so it's even less common. Where all my friends basically went to medical school, I joined them because that was the thing to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, very quickly, I discovered that this is not the path I want to join. Uh, you see, in Israel, when you uh, go to medical school, when you're accepted, you then owe the, the country about uh, 10 years in an uh, underprivileged area and 15 years in cities of uh, hospital work without the possibility to be uh, private. So 25 years? No, no, 15 years. 15 years? Yeah, yeah, 15 years. Okay. If you're you're somewhere in uh, the negative or underprivileged or underserved areas, it's 10 years. That means you have to be in the hospital. It doesn't mean that you don't get paid. You get paid okay, but you cannot do private work. Mm -hmm. Uh, You have to be in the hospital with the neon lights and a fabulous hospital smell and the wonderful hospital food and the uh, interior uh, bickeries uh, of management and uh, people that have egos to go where for 15 years. No, thank you. No, thanks. No, thank you. Yeah. So I wanted to do something else in medicine. And a friend of mine who, by the way, uh, nowadays is head of psychiatry in uh, uh, a prominent hospital in Israel, Hadassah in Karem, he said, you know, there are these strange people who stick needles in people and they call it medicine. Maybe you want to join them. You know, he meant it as a joke. I was going to say, was he serious at that time? He was joking. No, yeah. no, he was facetious. <laughs> but I didn't understand he was facetious because when we grew up together, he was really the most brilliant person. And he still is the most brilliant person I know. So I thought it was an advice or a suggestion and I looked into it and uh, I'm still here. That's so That fun. was acupuncture. <laughs> that was acupuncture. Now, nobody really knew what they were doing. Of course There not. were a couple of people that were associated with Ted Kapchuk and the Pacific College of Oriental Medicine in San Diego and they uh, bundled up uh, a makeshift kind of a school in Israel mm-hmm. within the association of... Uh, vegetarians, which was also strange. Association of Vegetarians? Yeah, basically within that building they created a classroom and uh, they uh, clutched uh, names like Pacific College and Ted Kupchuk and people like that. So I joined and uh, night times I was in the uh, rescue ambulance trying to put tubes into people's throats and uh, drain some uh, lungs in car accidents and so. And then in time, 
I listened how the yang and the yin and the phlegm of the spleen. I had no idea why they're even saying these these things. You know, I, I was looking for okay, look. Here's a sick version. How do you make them better? You say is the needle. Where do you put the needle in the lung and the eye and the ear? I don't know. But don't give me this yang and yin and phlegm and, and energy and Tao. And my nature is quite impatient. And uh, I come from a very emergency kind of medicine, and I really had to rethink everything. How were you able to stick with that? How were you able to stick through that? I'm stubborn. That's the only reason. So I get I get stubborn because stubborn also, from another point of view, is persistent, and, and 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 also the fear of failure. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. There's that too. So, but it's like sometimes when you're being stubborn, there's still like something underneath. It's like you're stubborn for. So like fear of failure, but you don't understand this stuff. You're doing emergency medicine. They're talking about like spleen phlegm. I mean, how do you finally gel that? Or is it just that you're like, I'm going to you stick don't. with it? And that's why you don't. You don't. Mm-hmm. And that's why I started to make decision in, in, in my path in acupuncture to translate these allegories or images that we might not actually understand because of poor translation or relevance of words 2,000 years ago vis-a-vis today. Uh, But one thing does not change. When I press on a point and the patient says, ow, whether it's 2,000 years ago or 2,000 years from now. And if I find an acupuncture point that clears that pressure pain away, that will also not change. And then I don't need the imagery to make me believe that I'm doing something. For example, if I take uh, spleen three, we're all taught to believe that it opens up the blockages. What blockages? Where? How? I mean, I need to believe it in order to, I don't want to say pretend to understand, but at least in order to want to use it. I was talking to someone just the other day who, who's been at it for a long time as well. And he said that the process of learning medicine is actually a process of proving to ourselves that it works and how it works. Indeed. It's an ongoing discovery. And because that is a part of this kind of medicine, you know, where you don't have a standard of practice and if you don't do it, you don't. You get sued, right? Mm-hmm, exactly. There is no discovery here. There's obedience. In in our path as acupuncturists, we have discovery. We don't need to abide by any standard of care; otherwise, we get sued. We can explore, and the worst thing that happens is nothing. So that's not bad. So you know. So you go to a point. You want to believe it does something, but you need some parameter in order to verify that. And the whole path actually started just, I would say, a couple of months before I set a goal to leave the acupuncture world and leave the school because it was just too crazy for me. I met uh, this Russian doctor who was an anesthesiologist in Russia, Shai Elazar from Haifa. 
And uh, he talked about when you touch a certain point in the ear, the pulse changes. Something that they call the RAC, the uh, radial artery cardiac reflex. And uh, I said, really? And I tried it, and I tried it, and I tried it, and I tried it, and I start to really feel it, which means when the point uh, zero was hit exactly for the patient's need, the pulse did change. And then I said, that is what I want. That is what I want for every single acupuncture point in the body. This is how I can verify if the body really needs it. Palpatory feedback. Some kind of a feedback that my primitive being can actually understand. Yes, yes. Because yes, yes. I, I really, I was humbled by it. I, I, I cannot deny a wisdom of 2,500 uh, years or more, and, and that's my Jewish heritage. Our entire consciousness relies on 2,500 or so years ago as a people, right? So I can't just dismiss this kind I of... I thought it was more like 5,000-something. What is that? I, I never can keep up with the Jewish calendar. It's like 5,000-something. I mean, it's long. That's the creation of the uh, world. But I think that 2,500 or so years ago, the creation of, uh, if you want, the scrolls, mm -hmm pretty much fit also the creation of the nun, of the Suen and uh, Ling Shu. Something was going on in the world. So there is a, some mm -hmm. kind of a consciousness on Earth, you know. So, and if you uh, listen to Bill Moyers, uh, that uh, uh, speaks uh, with Joseph Campbell, you see that there that something happened back then globally. Ayurvedic, Chinese medicine, the Jewish, and... and, and Something interesting happened there. But I started to then follow this ear acupuncture. Slowly, slowly forgot about body acupuncture until I saw that Jingwell points also react very strongly to this pulse change. And then Kiko Matsumoto came to that school. And she, you know, nobody really understood what she said. But what everybody saw was a very energetic person jumping around a patient, pushing and poking. They uh, sometimes say, ow, and then she puts a needle in, and that patient says, oh. And then everybody was looking, well, what just happened? The fact is, it doesn't really matter what she was trying to do. The fact of the matter was that a needle somewhere, a piece of metal somewhere in a, in a uh, body changed the pressure pinch on a organ. I, I do imagine it. I do imagine it. I watch it happen every day. Right. And that's absolutely nuts. If you think about it, a little teeny piece of needle, you know, stuck in the foot changes how the liver... Yes. So it's absolutely nuts unless actually it's not. Ah. So now you make a decision. You call it nuts. You decide not to believe in it because you protect what you know. Or you're so curious and you say, I accept that I don't understand it. Let's see how much I can do in order to help my patients. So that's how I came to palpate. And that's also what kept me in acupuncture all these years. That curiosity yep. and that possibility 
of discovery and having a medicine that encourages discovery. Exactly. And you know, at the beginning, even if it's not medicine, it's just observing the changes and playing with that to the point where, look what I can do. We started kind of pre-conversation to say, you know, we boys like toys. Wow, what a toy that is. Yeah, what a toy that this one is. But then you also humble down and you remember that you actually come from the medical uh, side of the world and then you apply it to patients and you can see that the good you do is enormous and you don't even have to really understand how come a little piece of metal in the foot created that change in the patient. You can, you can see it. You can feel it. So I, I have a, a rather analytical mind. My mind likes to be analytical. I find it hilarious at times that I've been drawn to something like acupuncture, that I've been drawn to some of the more palpatory forms that ask me to feel more than think. This is not my strong suit. The feeling piece is not my strong suit. And yet I'm deeply drawn to it. I'm like, absolutely fascinated because while there is that portion of my mind and it wants to know why why did that point do that what's even more interesting is that oh that point can do that for this person at this time in this moment and this situation it can do something and it can reliably do something but it it won't do the same thing at all times for all people. So no. you can either look at that and go, well, then this thing is bullshit because it's not reproducible. Or you can go, there are some other principles at work that are asking us to look at a bigger picture. And that stuff is reliable. Right. So, you know, if you go to medical school, what, you know, I did it 1981, 1982, 1983, uh, through uh, the military, and then later on, uh, 88, 89, 90, 91. It's so amazing to see how the truth, the dogma, changes, which means it's not the truth and it's not the dogma. So you have to cling to it like your life depends on it. Otherwise, there's no reason for you to do what you're doing, especially when you claim that you're doing evidence-based medicine. Mm -hmm. Only the evidence and the base and the medicine changes constantly. Look at the Merck Manual. It started as a little tiny black book, right? Look at it now. Big, fat, green book. And what amused me very much, the values of the blood tests that we need to react to and then medicate the patient. And that, you know, was evidence, right? You have a numeric, you know, you have a machine that goes beep. You have a machine that goes beep. Right? And it's a very expensive machine, right? So we really want to believe in it. I mean, it did go beep. So suddenly the beep today, 30 years later, is boink. You know? <laughs> so that is now the truth. Where the acupuncture liver three doesn't change. When the patient needs it, he needs it, and you can palpate it, and you can see it, and that's it. There is no relative value except the patient, her or himself. Uh, if, you, if you go to 1989 physiology class, 
neurophysiology class. That professor came to class and with a very red face, almost screamed at us that nerves do not generate or regenerate, sorry. Well, that's not true. But that was the dogma at the time. That was the dogma. Remember the dogma was you have only so many brain cells and once they're gone, that's it. Yeah, I can feel that one. But what they didn't recognize was this thing called neuroplasticity. There's a lot of things that are still completely untangible to our human brain. And they still exist. And they're still what makes the universe. <clears throat> Therefore, if you go to acupuncture, you learn to accept that it's unnecessary to know why. It is more important to see how can I use it mm -hmm. to the benefit of a patient. To know how. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, the reason to find why does it work and so... That, that, that can be a motor that keeps us going, this curiosity. You know, when I'm listening to Helen Langevin and her uh, fascia, and uh, uh, when I listen to uh, Margaret Naser and the laser uh, and the neurons, how they react, or cells, how they react to laser, <clears throat> and all these uh, interesting quantum physics lectures, they all layer and layer, and, and you can see that the bubble of opacity uh, gets bigger, you know, and, and you, can, you can see more things, but you also realize that you're somewhere at the bottom of the ocean and there's miles and miles of water above you. So if you're stubborn enough and curious enough, that will keep you busy for at least one lifetime. At le yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. The reason why I say that is because it's, it's so wonderful to see. So I started that lifetime and now the daughter of my sister is continuing it so here we go another generation and that is so nice because it is in the nature of acupuncture to be a handed down craft yes it is a handed down craft i mean we have these phenomenal resources that have come down to us through time and and if we're lucky we've met some people who have helped us to learn something of what they see so we have all of that, and now we have a bunch of books in English as well. But still, I think there is this element of it has to be learned in this lifetime, in this moment, in this generation. Everything has to be learned anew. We have great resources, but it has to be brought alive in the moments that we are doing the investigation, the work, which is both a privilege and a responsibility. I, I totally agree. And... and Part of the responsibility is something that the uh, arrogant Western or arrogant modern Western mind just doesn't get, especially now at the age of the app. Just because I clicked on something doesn't mean that it has to work. But we feel entitled that it should work. Mm -hmm. It has to work. It's an app. Life is an app, right? I'm entitled to it for, to work for me, right? And the app should be free as well. Uh, yeah, everything should be free. But we are against socialism in this country, right? That is almost is almost a curse word. It uh, yeah it it it, do it doesn't go down well. Mm -hmm. No, 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 no. People mm -hmm. don't understand how we actually long and need to be social and socialized. That's how all these uh, 
how do you call it? I call them loneliness diseases, mm-hmm. anxiety disorder, all these chronic inflammation uh, occur because they're not just externally generated by the crap we eat. They're also internally generated by the fears and the isolation and that horrible just let's not, let's not be um, a commune. Let's not be socialized because that will be Russian and evil. However, we want things to be free. Yes. Hello, everyone. Anne Cecil Sturman here. A working knowledge of the eight extraordinary channels from the unbroken oral tradition of acupuncture is valuable beyond words. The power of these channels is tremendous if the practitioner has well-integrated diagnostic, theoretical, and practical skill. You'll be familiar with Dumai, the governor channel or the sea of Yang, the primal reservoir of Yang, which ultimately finances all movement and growth. But this channel also governs the ability to self-determine. The psycho-emotional presentation of your patients can be matched to a classical activation of this channel, clearing impedance in the free flow of Yang Qi to body, mind and spirit. I'd like to share with you the marvelous potency of the Do channel in a full-length live treatment video from the seminar I taught last year in Melbourne, Australia. It's at ancecilsturman.com forward slash sinews2024. Click on the jump to free teaching button or see the link on my Instagram page at ancecilsturman. Thanks, Michael. Back to you. So it's, I love these contradictions because life is phenomenally contradictory. I mean, we're living within this incredible realm of yin and yang. You go out to any extreme and, you know, the opposite looks like, you know, something bad. We have a very hard time at seeing the unity between complementary poles. Yin and yang is a very helpful way of reminding us of that. But the actual doing of it, the actual like being a person in between the potential of heaven and the reality of earth, man, that's hard work. Right. And and these are only allegories because there is no really, there is no yang and there is no yin. There is, if you want, maybe striving towards yang and striving towards yin. The absolutes really don't exist. Well, no, absolutes don't. Unless you've got a unity, but if there's a unity, there ain't us there to observe it. So No, unless you have a dogma. Well, I've heard that today's dogma is tomorrow's dog food. And we leave those to the Vatican. Yeah. But, you know, back back to this thing for a moment about, and I don't want to get into to politics here, but it this might be germane to the, to the conversation. It seems to me, and again, I'm coming back to yin and yang. I, I often think about like inhale and exhale, right? There's hot and there's cold. I mean, it's some very basic things. Everybody hears it the first time and goes, yeah, duh, we all know that. But when you start looking at it in action, and I think COVID has been a very helpful teacher in this regard, because I'm basically an introvert. And so when lockdown first came along, I'm kind of like, oh, you know, other than not being able to get on an airplane and go see people I care about and do things, it's like, well, this is kind of cool. I don't have to deal with crowds. That's not bad. Well, what I've come to discover is that there is an aspect of us, even introverts, Because human beings are social creatures, we need that collective group that we belong to. And at the same time, 
We need our individuality. We need our autonomy. We need our agency to be actors within that collective. I think so often with politics, it comes down to like, well, the individual is the way to go or, oh, the collective is the way to go. United States versus Russia. There's, there's a yin-yang for you there. What if it actually, to make any of these work, it is both and. We absolutely need our collective. And we absolutely need our agency and individuality within that collective. They're not contradictions. You need an inhale and an exhale. No, of course not. And therefore, the German politics is kind of the thing that we need to strive to. You have the two opposites. Yeah, you have a, uh, if you want, a black FDP uh, a party, and you have a red, if you want, communist party, and then you have the whole rainbow in mm. between. And these are very important because we can then contain our energy, thoughts, if you want, uh, violent, destructive, and also constructive energies in that containment. Where here we have king or queen, it's a personality uh, kind of uh, politic with no real manifesto. And people really don't know what to do with their thoughts. And there's no containment. And violence can be very quickly turned into, let's say, irrelevant political discussions because they're not relevant to politics. So looking at what we know about Chinese medicine and working with the unity between polarities, again, I, I don't want to go too far into the political thing, but at the same time, what, what I want to hear about is your thoughts on how, how do I phrase this? Because because I want to I want to come at this from a more generalized perspective, not just a political perspective. I think the same thing happens in the human body, you know, especially when you've got some kind of stagnation in one place and you've got deficiency in another. You know, it's very easy to look at those as like opposite things or as things that are disconnected. So yes, yeah. so so the thing is that medicine looks at it like that. In the body, we don't have those dichotomies. In the body, we have the, if you want, the need to cooperate in a very synchronized way. And therefore, when that does not happen because medicine thinks, if I kill that bacteria, I cure you, meaning black and white, if that, you know, mm -hmm. if the, that, that actually causes more disease. Our brain vis a vis the Western world, especially this particular capitalistic Western world, and capital not just money and in a uh, party political way, it's more the greed and need, and she has an I don't kind of thing, more human perspective. That creates the stagnation. They accumulate. Okay, so then we take the liver three, and for some reason it works, the patient can breathe better, but what if Liver three is not needled correctly. I don't know that, right? Unless I palpate or take the pulse or something. Or let's say that I really don't think this is a case for acupuncture. I think it's a case for a pill. Or I go to Whole Foods or Mom's Organic or any kind of uh, more natural-oriented store, and I kind of of the supplements, this is good for me. Oh, look at that, that's good for me. And that's great for me. And look at this longevity, I'll take that too. 
people end up with 500 vitamins because they can correct things. But these are all things that I think they don't really exist. I invented them. And I invented them in order to take them. So then the divergence come in, you asked me. So we have those accumulation of things inside the body. And we tried this doctor and we tried the other doctor. We went to surgery and so on and so forth. And then they go to the acupuncturist. You are my last resort. Yeah, that sound familiar? I know I'm in deep trouble. I'm always in deep trouble when they say, you're my, light, you're, you're my final hope. It's like, N I should refer this person away. This is not going to be good. That is correct. That is absolutely true. But we, we have some socialism in us, and we do uh, accept that. Where is that patient going to go? Well, I, you know, partly it's that, partly it's that, and partly I also think that things like that are, are actually diagnostic. Oh, someone just yeah. told me about the depth of their despair. Oh, yes, oh, yes, oh, yes. No, uh, that or sometimes, you know, I need a new person to blame why I don't heal. You know, there's that. Uh, there's, there's a whole rainbow of reason why they say you're my last hope. Yes. But, okay, so now you do your liver three, stomach 36, uh, spleen six. What else do we have here? Kidney three, uh, bladder 23. We all know those points because we stick them into people no matter what, and they all get and it doesn't really work that fantastically. And then we ask the question, okay, why? So we go a little bit more complicated. We start to use points like liver four and maybe the metal and water points. And we start using some extra points and some ear points and it doesn't work. So now we say, okay, so we need something maybe a little bit more in the grid, in the... Uh, structure of the meridians, something that the meridians rely on to exist. And we hear these wonderful stories about the extraordinary channels. Mm -hmm. And we say, oh, that is wonderful. This is a typical uh, Ren Mai, Chong Mai, Du Mai, God knows what Mai. And we do those with iron pumping cords, laser beams, magnets, prayers, feathers on the head, all these kind of things. Doesn't work. All right, now we're really scratching. They said, like, wait, 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 wait. I heard all kinds of interesting people like Miki Shima and uh, Jeffrey Yuan. And there is uh, maybe uh, uh, David Twicken. Uh, and there's all kinds of interesting people. They talk about these other meridians, the divergent meridians. We hear about them in school. Briefly, I think the teacher scares himself or herself by mentioning them and then they leave the topic and I don't even think we had an exam on them <laughs> and that's and that's pretty much that so they become mysterious and I thought okay I think it's time to uh, open up that drawer mm -hmm. and see because why am I believing in uh, liver three and thinking it's so standard and uh, a divergent is not I mean, again, that's my invention, right? I invented that mysteriousness. A vein or a capillary is not more or less mysterious than a rod or a cone in the eye. They're both there, period. We decide what is more interesting. We decide what is more mysterious because we are a strange creature. 
But reality doesn't care what kind of creature we are. They're there. And I think, or I thought, we're missing an opportunity just because. Of course, I read uh, what Jeffrey Yuan had to say. His, Yuan had to say so. And he's way too advanced for me. I, I kind of began to say I, I have a very simple mind. And I need to know, to feel, to feel comfortable in order to look the patient straight in the eyes and say, listen, I got something that might help. Meaning I'm not a salesperson. Well, I think there's different kinds of salespeople. Some are trying to sell you something because they want to fatten their wallet, and some want to sell you something because it's going to help oh, you, yeah. and then you're going to come back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, no. I'm, yeah. I'm not talking about the people that are trying to scam you into their benefit. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. A salesperson is a person that might not know why things work. They might not even believe that they work. But they think it's good for you, or they think uh, it's something that might help you, so here it is. So for me, I need to be sold on it. I want to be able to look my patient in the eye, and if they ask me a question, be able to answer, not from a theory, but from experience. Exactly. And that is, and that is how I started to read, you know, Mikishima, which... He, I met him a few times, and he's a brilliant, brilliant person. I call him the Yo-Yo Ma of acupuncture. <laughs> he is so diverse and educated, dynamic. He's a sweet person. He is a funny person. He has uh, languages and knowledge which are way beyond and peripheral. He is just a fantastic person. I did not understand what he was saying. Mm -hmm about the divergent. Oh, you had those schematics, and it was very interesting, you know, and as an analytical mind, you could, but so what does it have to do with my patient that comes with that inflammation and a bag full of supplements, and they're suffering? So, you know, I took my journey to all kinds of uh, places, and then I met Nadia Wolf, and she is from Paris, She's the auricular person, isn't Correct. she? And she does, yes, yes, yes. She does the causative auricular diagnosis. And uh, her son, he joined our uh, acupuncture, acupuncture, sorry, acupuncture course at the Harvard Medical School. And he's a medical doctor. And uh, we were doing this uh, acupuncture gig at Harvard Medical School for about 16 years. One of those years, Tom Wolf came to our class, and when he graduated, they said, you know, my mom is doing something very similar only through the year. So I said, oh, that's brilliant. Let's invite her. <laughs> yes, good idea. So we invited her, and immediately it was a chemistry, you know. So it ended up to be so that one year she was teaching here and then following that, I was going to Paris and teaching there. So we had, you know, and we still have a wonderful relationship. And uh, again, she and her husband, Leonid, are just brilliant people, sweet people, you know. People that really look at the energetic bubble and correspond with that. And they're both medical doctors and they're both professors in medical school. You know, and when I was teaching there in the medical school in Paris... Uh, again, you, you 
feel that you are in the right place. You have medical doctors who understand that this is not everything. There is a whole sphere that we can use for the benefit of our patient. And Nadia was talking about the divergent meridians through looking in the ear. And I asked her, Nadia, what's going on? I mean, I understand that here is a stomach, and I understand here is the liver, and I understand that here are some curious points called tonsil one, tonsil two, whatever. And she smiled. It's like, yeah, but what does that mean? It means there's an inflammation around there that we cannot contain. And look, there's so many points around the stomach, for example, bum, 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 right? And they're all painful. So maybe we need to use the stomach diversion and needle those points. And when she did, suddenly the area that was painful at the reflection of the stomach in the ear really narrowed down to one point. And that blew my mind. So it's like, yes, I know there is palpatory evidence to the existence of the divergence. This fits right in with everything you've been doing all the way along with looking for the body to give you feedback that you're actually having a conversation with it. Exactly. And therefore, I, I really smile from ear to ear. And I said, that I can start to understand. So I started to look, where is a schematic of the divergent meridians that teaches us crossing points? And that's easy to find. Every acupuncture point that summarizes the diversion has uh, an axis and return point, and then has points where it crosses, almost like surfaces, you know, up and down. It surfaces, crosses, presents itself something. So I started to examine the uh, axis and return points almost from the same kind of perspective of master couple points. Mm -hmm. Right? So kind of two ends of the string. So, you know, when I uh, looked at the channels, I don't know, uh, let's say gallbladder channel, he was, I mean, the, 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 it was very interesting because I saw that there is a uh, point CV3 that this channel crosses. And I just happened to have a uh, chronic cystitis patient on the table. And when I press on CV3, that point is not just painful. It is a uh, feeling of, I have to go and run and urinate. Very reactive. Yeah, very reactive. I tell the patient, you know, before they go to the acupuncture, whether you need to or not, why don't you go to the bathroom, pee, and uh, then come back, especially for urinary bladder problems. So they do, and uh, the bladder should not react when I press on it. So I press on CV3, and they say, Oi, I need to go and pee, or it's painful, or it's burning, or it feels like my bladder is full, but I know it's not. That is a very positive and simple-to-gauge sign. <clears throat> and I have a wonderful point that uh, takes away that pressure pain, and that is uh, CV21. I direct the needle down towards CV3, and it really does a great job for most patients. A little bonus if you put an intradermal in exactly in the direction that reduces the pressure pain, that can uh, keep people in bed sleeping better 
without needing to run to the toilet many, many times. That's just a little bonus here. But there are definitely patients where it does nothing. And I always go and find what if it doesn't do anything. And that was my main concern. And lo and behold, that patient did not react to CV21 at all. And then I said, okay, this is the time. I know CV3 is a point where the gallbladder uh, divergent crosses through. So then I put my hand on, G on gallbladder uh, 30, right? That's the uh, axis. And gallbladder 30, you know, it's a big point on the tuchus. It's mm -hmm. like, a, and that patient was not small. So I had a lot to work with here. And I found all kinds of angles and whatnot. And the patient was looking at me rather skeptical. You're like, what, what are you doing on my, on my sciatic nerve there? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I got a bladder problem. Yeah. And you're like sticking me in the butt. Exactly. But then I found something where the patient did not need to jump or said, oh, that feels like I have to pee. And I said, yes. So I put a rather long needle you know, in that point. And then I went to gallbladder one, uh, which is the return point. And as I did, the pressure pain and the reaction, much more the reaction, I need to go to pee, disappeared from CV3. And that's it. That's how the path began. Then I started to look at every single patient, just palpating for those crossing points, you know, just waiting for a patient that has a pressure pain on any kind of crossing point on a diversion. And I started to, if you want, experiment. Mm -hmm. So I did it with the needles. And then I thought, you know, the name Axis Return, Master Couple, they're so similar. Let's start playing around with iron pumping cords. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. Alamanaka, Alakawai, Naomoto. And, uh, it worked so fabulously, you don't even need needles. You actually, you know, some, some, some points are hard to uh, put the needle in. And between us, we all know we try to avoid them, like bladder one, stomach one. Uh, sometimes we don't even feel comfortable at uh, mm -hmm. liver 12, etc. Right? But it's not a big deal to put a clip on the point like tape the uh, clip so that the, it touches the point, right? So not even just a tiny little barely inserted japanese style needle, just tape the clip. Yes, exactly. And that's the whole idea of the iron pumping uh, idea because the ions really travel on the very surface and not inside or not deep. That's why when you see Manaka put needles in, he put it just deep enough to hold the clip so it doesn't fly out. Um, and I'm using the iron pumping cords that have a copper clip. So it's a copper clip and a copper cord. Yeah. So the electric, if you want, conductivity is good, very good. And the master gets the... Uh, black which is the access point gets the black clip and the return which is the uh, coupled point gets the red clip that's what i thought and i played around with it 
And it just worked fantastic. And then, of course, you have the patient where it doesn't do anything. Naturally. So I decided, let's stick with the gallbladder. So you have the axis gallbladder 30. You have the return gallbladder 1. Uh, the liver has the axis liver 12. And the same and the same return. Now, when you're saying access and return, because I, I might need to back up and get a little divergence 101, because I understand there's these other channels. They have this like it's just the switches branch off. It's just the name of the switch. It's it's the what? It's just the name of a switch. It's the name of a switch. Points. There's nothing. I I cannot see a mysterious how and what. It's just given to us that it starts there and it ends there. So it's, it's a way, I'm just trying to wrap my brain around this, okay? So we've got our regular idea of a channel, whatever our idea is, okay? Because we all got these different ideas about what they are, okay? So it's just that there's, on every channel, there are the, there's a point, one's the access, one's the return, and it's just another way that the channel is connected to itself. It just takes a different trajectory, and it connects with other meridians and that's the key thing in this case is that these air quotes here divergent channels this little switch you i'm thinking shortcut because i'm lazy there's a little switch between two parts of the same channel but they touch other channels and when they touch other channels and you find something along that other channel you can maybe have a conversation with that other channel through so right. So what what are those jingbie or whatever uh, you or however you say it in Chinese, right? What are what are those divergent channels? And you look at uh, the characters. Mm. What makes the uh, channels or gives the channels their name, right? Uh, Suen Eleven talks about it, etc. And you look at jing channel so we know it it's definitely a uh, channel right and then we look at okay what is the other word right the so we look at yeah uh, which is a distinction a a different and separate from yeah I mean BM basically means other separate from distinct mm-hmm. uh, taken apart mm-hmm. stands you know other right yeah. so it's not something that might actually exist at all times. And when you look at the different ways of understanding these channels through, for example, Mikishima or uh, other people who talk about it, you might start to understand maybe these are collaterals that the body creates. It's not there we create it because we need to store maybe some pathological events uh, or pathogens. We need to put them away so they don't disturb, they don't put us in danger. Or maybe we create those divergence in order to move the pathogenic factor out because there's so much stagnation in our body do two 500,000 supplements that we take and uh, all kinds of herbs that we want to live forever. 
and uh, all these interesting foods that have nothing to do with nutrition that we put ourselves under their, their spell, etc., 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 that with the hurry, urgency, anxi- anxiousness, and righteousness, we have a very nice mix that actually makes us ask, why are we living so long? And I think that the diversion help us really to live that long, and I think that we are living in a day and age where the divergents are working overtime. Now, why am I saying that? Because bottom line, now specifically, we have a lot of patients that come with this, people now call post-COVID, multi-system chronic inflammation, which has been there before, because people that had the flu and since then, they don't feel well, exist, and have, have been there. Yes, we're very familiar with post-viral syndromes. Exactly. Only now the entire world is focused on COVID-19. The entire world is busy with that, that we suddenly really recognize that much more. But it has been around uh, at least as long as there have been flus around and humans. In recent years, the Sa'am acupuncture style has generated significant interest and a loyal and growing following. In the Sa'am approach, a precise diagnosis leads to a four-needle treatment to address the five element and six chi imbalances in the body. The four needles target the controlling and generating cycles it's common using this method for the needle sensation to be stronger than in many other styles. Thus, the choice of needle becomes important. The Unico brand of needles lends itself to both strong and gentle techniques. These superior needles are made of uncoated Japanese surgical stainless steel and feature the best guide tube on the market with its unique beveled edge. Additionally, Unico needles have a tensile property that helps with freehanding needles into Jingwell points and allows you to more easily feel the arrival of Qi. Blue Poppy is the exclusive importer and distributor of Unico needles. Use the code QI2024 to save 10% off Unico needles at www.bluepoppy.com. You'll be glad you did. Except now we have the internet, which is an extension of our nervous system, and perhaps that has an effect on this. Perhaps. This whole reaction to COVID-19 is, is fantastic, not in the terms of it's great or good, in the name of, or in the meaning of the word fantasia. We invented a series of reaction that has never been implemented on earth before. It was, we were so ripe to try out this mass hysteria. Now, of course, it is a pathogen that needs to be reckoned with. Mm-hmm. It, of course, it's a pathogen that we need to uh, contain and learn how to adapt by vaccination or by uh, a mask and uh, washing your hands, but these are rather simple and straightforward measures 
they don't call for a mass hysteria and stampede that we have witnessed, but yet we did it. We stampeded and we're still continuing because we are a, we are a herd animal and we're driven by fear and influence, which causes more anxious, which makes more fear. And of course, these patients come to our clinic. Now we need to treat them. So the first thing that I always do and is try to figure out how can I clear the pressure pain on CV17? Why? Because the heart is so full of yi, there's no use for uh, treating you know, uh, that or the other disorder, this or the other phlegm, etc., etc. We need to, first of all, have shen come and go from the heart. Settle the shen. So, yeah, settle the shen, give it the ability to uh, move and uh, so on and so forth. Now, we are looking at a patient that, in terms of nutrition, in Yiddish to say, not so great. And that, at best case scenario. Yes, in Chinese they say, mama hoo hoo. Literally, horse, horse, tiger, tiger. It means like, meh, 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 mama yeah. hoo hoo. <laughs> Yes, indeed. You know, and and the patient is nervous and scared and they lost a perspective nowadays. It's very hard to relate and understand and integrate all those different approaches. They're mess. And then they start taking all kinds of supplements. This is good for this, and this is good for that. And I hear from the internet, as if it's a somebody. Yes, and I've got this whole thing of essential oils that I'm doing. Oh, yeah, and we have all the essential oils, and we have all the different kind of, you know, magic. And they might be wonderful. I'm not saying they're not, because they do have their place, and very strong and good. However... All of them combined into that mishmash of bad nutrition, angst, and uh, uncertainty. We need collaterals, and these are the diversions. And they all develop those diversions. And that's the key to start draining all of that. And then the patient has the power to move stuff by themselves. So, you know, with acupuncture, going back to the beginning of the discussion... Acupuncture has restored the belief in the strength and wonder of the strength inside the human being, for me at least. And the divergence are a wonderful way to use the collaterals that might actually be a pathology. Think about the uh, varicose veins. But they're very important. Do not take them away. We need them to help to have a Venus return. There's a reason why they're created. So same, same. The diversion are indeed a manifestation of a disease, so to speak, or pathology or accumulation of pathology. But it's a fact in our modern life with our modern attempt to live forever. And uh, CV-17 cannot only be 
treated by, let's say, the pericardium metal water, which works fantastic uh, if pericardium 8 is painful, or heart metal water, which works fantastic if heart 8 is painful, or triple warmer 5 in gallbladder 41 if the SEM is painful, etc., etc. So we have those things. Didn't really work in these times of corona panic. And CV17 is, for me, a very, very important place to, first of all, start to treat. So the stomach and the spleen diversion, they cross through CV17. So when I just put the clip on uh, stomach 30, spleen 12, both return to stomach 1, mm-hmm. suddenly that start, the CV17 started to clear up. And that, that gave me the joy of my life. You know? That's why I now decided to also do a whole uh, seminar on it. And uh, it's really exciting. I want to talk with you more about that in just a second. But, but before we do, I just want to, I want to make sure that I'm putting this together in my mind in a coherent way. All right. Okay. So what I'm hearing from you is that the divergences, actually, if you're really healthy, you may not even have divergences show up because right. the body doesn't need it. But if the body needs it, you know, it's like, People got too much stuff. They go get a storage unit to put it. Instead of like dealing with the stuff, they got a storage unit. So maybe the divergences are like... I, I, it's not necessarily a storage. It, it, it is a collateral. A collateral. Because storage, you keep it. A collateral tries to move it. So it shows up because there's something there. It needs to be moved. It might be excess emotion or a certain kind of emotion. It could be all the things that we're taking and stressing our body with, even though we think we're doing it for good reasons, the body goes, well, actually, it's not so good for me, but the mind thinks it's good, and the body goes, well, I'll just try to move it out through right. these divergences it's a response. Here. The divergent channel is a, is a response. Now, do you have a way of, like, checking to see, hey, is a divergence being in an active state now, and, and use that as part of your diagnosis? The answer is yes. Let's go to CV17, right? If CV17 pressure pain disappears by needling or treating stomach 30 and uh, stomach 1, right, or spleen 12 and stomach 1, then I know this is the system which connects and drains that pressure pain. If it doesn't do anything... Go look somewhere else. Then I use my... uh, metal water pericardium, metal water heart. I have the uh, points in the ear. I mean, there's many different points. Now, the, the, the nice thing about, again, palpation-based medicine is that you can make a diagnosis by to which treatment does the patient respond. And you can do that safely. And effectively. Well, yes. I mean, you, you, you can do that with all kinds of medications, but the patient might die three or four times in the, in the process. Not so helpful. So that's not so safe. You can, say, you can say, oh, the patient reacted very well to this very specific medication, therefore this is the diagnosis. This is when you're lucky. The patient didn't react well to that medication. Diagnosis was off. The diagnosis was off. So therefore for... Uh, uh, herbs 
and uh, for chemical uh, agents that you put into the body, which very often are life-saving, but you need a different kind of a diagnostic and verification system. With the acupuncture, we are so lucky. We can put our hand on the body and see if this point works or that point works without any kind of fear that we are harming the patient. And we get quick feedback. I mean, very quick. The, the trick is to have a feedback loop so that you're not working out of a mental model. Oh, that point's supposed to do this. Sometimes that'll work. But it, it, that's how I started with acupuncture. That's how everybody starts with acupuncture. And then they realize it doesn't work anymore. Yeah, I put liver three, stomach 36, large intestine four, uh, kidney three, bladder 23. Everybody got it. And you know, it worked, but not for everybody. And that's when I started to step in. Couldn't hide, but it may not help. And yeah. you know what? That's not a problem for me because I'm at the end of the day, I'm doing it for the patient. So if the patient says, listen, the, 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 the previous acupuncturist put the point here and it was so wonderful. You know, I'm putting it there. Why shouldn't I? It's not my ego that I'm treating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hopefully. Hey, I, I want to come back very quickly. You were talking about like pericardium metal water, mm -hmm. and I don't know what that means. Ah, so every channel has five element points. Uh, yes, yes, the transport points, the antique points. Yes. We call them the antique points, although I think that all points are born at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, yes, the antique points. So if you look at the charts, the, the heart, pericardium, the lung, the large intestine, triple warmer, small intestine. Yeah, all. yeah they've, all, they've, they've all got the, the five element correspondences. That's right. So the uh, fire point, pericardium eight, mm -hmm. when it's painful, it means too much fire. So then I go to the water point, pericardium three, and see if I can pour some water on that fire. Ah, okay. Uh, you got it? Got so it. why the metal? Oh, very simple, because I don't want to drain the water infinitely. I want to create water to pour it on the fire, and that's the metal. Okay. So you are promoting the water, which in turn you can pour onto the fire. Metaphor metaphorically speaking, yes. Okay. All right, that makes sense. I can follow that. And it works fantastically. It's unbelievable. If you look at, for example, kidney two, mm. palpate kidney two, mm -hmm. and you see how many patients have a pressure pain on both or one of the kidney twos, the kidney metal water point, just like magic, takes it away. And by the way, if it doesn't, you do lung metal water, then kidney metal water, and it takes it away. And again, we're talking about a very special time where inflammation is really the joker of medicine right now. Everything is inflammatory, right? Gluten, inflammatory. Sugar, inflammatory. Yes. Well, and I have patients come in and they say, they actually say this to me. They go, I can tell I'm inflamed. It's like, what's going on? Well, you know, I'm inflamed. I just feel inflamed. My whole body inflamed. Exactly. <laughs> okay. They're not incorrect. They're not incorrect, sorry. My English sometimes wanders into other paths. But yes, uh, they're not incorrect because the basis of most of the 
disorders are inflammatory disorders, especially the chronic disorders, uh, from cancer all the way to post-COVID uh, multi-system inflammatory syndrome, etc., etc., etc. These are these are words, and for these words, I found that the collaterals, which means the divergence, they work very, very well, and I was so happy to have those meeting points. So if I press on them and they're painful, and then I'm using the uh, axis and return points and that pressure pain goes away, that made me very happy. And everybody, I want to teach it to everybody because now suddenly those divergent mysterious, they're not so mysterious, they're very practical. You push, you treat, it works, then it's that. If not, then you need to find other things. I've got a, a patient who's currently on a weight loss program. I think it's Nutrisystem. And uh, he, he loves their commercials. You eat the food, you lose the weight, right? So <laughs> I'm hearing this with your divergence. You press the point, it's pressure. Ah, you treat the divergent. You know? Not so hard. If it works, that's wonderful. And if not, then keep looking. Then actually, it's also wonderful because then it encourages you to find a different way to address it. Mm-hmm. And usually the path that brings us to the different way of looking at things sets us apart from the other types of medicine that the patient has been exposed to and it didn't work. I mean, what's the point for me to treat something which in all kinds of medicines it didn't work for that patient? Tinnitus, for example, right? That's the big uh, out point. A lot of people find that tinnitus is very complicated. Are you kidding? I, at this point, if someone says I've got tinnitus and I've had it for more than six months, I'm not even, I don't even want to see him. I can't, I can't, right. I don't know how to help that. Because we're going and circling the same known parameters that says we can't really treat it. You can treat tinnitus. I can treat tinnitus, I would say successfully in about... 70%. If a patient says, listen, I had a uh, head trauma that damaged pieces of the brain by surgery or by injury, uh, etc., then I would tell them, I want you to come because together we can start thinking about pathways that might help, although the prognosis is not so fantastic. But if but somebody says, okay, you know, after a uh, antibiotic take or after some uh, colds or a barotrauma, as in diving and or flying and stuff like that, you know, or uh, otitis media that went into the uh, inner ear. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. What if they've just had it long-term? They've had it for 20 years because... Sclerosis of the, uh, of the nervous system that uh, creates that sound. So there's hope. I'm hearing you say that there's some hope for this tinnitus thing. Yes, yes, yes. Absolutely. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Okay. You know, of course, this sclerotic tinnitus, you know, in elderly or very chronically ill patient uh, demands constant treatment. Which means my experience is that, yes, we can treat it. We can change it to the point where it is 
not very different that when you and I are consciously listening to silence, we hear a sound. Yes, yes, if you pay attention. Yeah. Right. Okay. Which means if you don't pay attention, you're not aware of it, and that's and that's fine. Mm-hmm. However, if you don't treat for about a month or two, it comes back. So I tell the patient, listen, this is the best I can do for you, and that's from experience. Uh, we treat a few treatments every week, a treatment, and then when it goes to the point or go down to the point where you're not aware of it, we can stop for a month or come back when it starts. And then we can start measuring the times between it's not bothering me and it come back. And these are this is when we start to do treatments. And the patients are totally okay with that. Yeah, no, that sounds great. I'd love to be able to give my patients that option. So tell us about these classes that you're doing. So now I started to basically create seminars uh, and uh, rekindled the uh, attention to schools, and we do that online. So I have a lot of footage from uh, previous seminars, because I film everything that I do, and I cut it into my talks. So this really, to me, has been one of the um, blessings of COVID, that we are asked to reconfigure what we do. We're being asked to reconfigure how we are, how we teach, how we learn. It's not a bad time if you got some creative juice in you because you can take what you got and you go, what am I going to do with the current moment? Which is actually COVID or not, that's always the question. What am I going to do with the current moment? Absolutely. And, And what it forced me to do is really to take all that footage I'm talking really hundreds and hundreds of oh hours God, of film. I don't even want to think about that. That's, right? that's a lot of work. And when I, ta- when I say oketsu in my class, you know, I'm boring when I speak about oketsu without showing. Mm. So I cut the clip and I show. So my online seminars are actually full of clinical demonstrations. So you're doing show and tell. And the same thing I'm going to do now with the divergent meridians. Great. You know, it's very nice to talk about it, but I'm actually demonstrating how to do that. So when are you going to do this? Um, March 20 and 21. Okay. I don't think this comes out before then. Yeah, but uh, you will see interesting things. You know, for example, not everybody wants to use iron pumping cords or needles, you know. So I I have those uh, discs that uh, are copper and zinc. And if you go to Japanese acupuncture, uh, let's say Tokito or Ito, they use copper and zinc. So put the copper on the uh, access point, uh-huh. put the zinc on the return point, and you have a flow. Okay. That's super cool. <laughs> um, we're going to have to wind this down for today, but we, we, we may have to come back and talk more about this later. I'm here for you. That's great. David, any other things that you want to share with our listeners real quick as just a way of summary before we say goodbye for now? Absolutely. Keep on connecting to the patient physically, emotionally, energetically. All of those parameters are tools. Find the acupuncture points. Don't give up and and let the acupuncture point give you a signal 
through the patient. Sounds like wonderful advice. All right, my friend, till next time then. Thank you so much. Be well. Clinic is such a wonderful live lab for discovering what works and what doesn't. Beyond that, it's an opportunity to take all those clinical encounters where we got less than effective results, along with the weird anomalies that don't quite make sense, and those moments of noticing something, but you're not yet quite sure about what it means, and use all of that to open your attention so your clinical experience can teach you something new. I appreciate David's sense of inquiry and his generosity in sharing this perspective with us so we can see how it might help us with our clinical work. Thanks as always for listening. If you liked this conversation, if you learned something new or found a moment of inspired insight, share the episode with your friends. If you want to support Geological, there's just one way to do that. It's by going to the website and becoming a member or leaving a one-time contribution today. Well, folks, that's it for today. Join us again next Tuesday for another conversation that connects up the voices of our community.